Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading scripture from, bear with me, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. If you guys, give you a second, if you guys want to find it in your pew Bibles, I'll just start. So send out your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will get it back. Divide your means seven ways, or even wait, eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. When clouds are full, they empty rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in a place where the tree falls, there it will lie. In the that whoever observes the wind will not sow, and whoever regards the clouds will not reap. Jesus, just as you do not know how the breath comes to the bones in your mother's room, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at the evening, do not let your hands be idle, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Even those who live for many years should rejoice in them all. Yet let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Follow your inclination of your heart and the desire of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Banish anxiety from your mind and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. These are the words of the Lord. Thank you. I love Ecclesiastes. It's uh, part of what we call wisdom literature. Let me get this thing on here. And it has been around a long time, so folk have been reading such literature for how long? 3,500 years or more. So it's, uh, it puts it out there and it raises all kinds of ideas and you have to sort of sort them out in your own mind, not just sort of propositional truth. So the book of Ecclesiastes. Today we begin uh, our series on Lent. And just to explain that a little bit, because you may come from a tradition where you don't hear that language very much, uh, Lent. But there are a couple of calendars that we're mindful in the church. One, there is the secular calendar that we normally think of, right? So we think of Christmas, we've just passed uh, Valentine's Day, we look to Easter, we have Mother's Day, Father's Day, and so on. That, that's, that's coming out of our culture, and we could call that the secular culture. We're part of that. And we, we, you know, we pay attention to that, right? We pay attention to it in the church. But there has also developed something called the liturgical calendar, which goes way, way back to the very early church, first few hundreds years of the Christian church. And you can imagine, we're talking way back into the Roman Empire, and so believers would think of events that were important in the Christian story and pay attention to those. Because, you know, they're surrounded in that day what they would consider a pagan culture. So they wanted to think about important dates in, in the history of the Christian church and in the life of Jesus. So we have the secular calendar, we have the liturgical calendar. 
Here at Weston Park, we try to follow what we call a blended style of worship, which means we try to pick and choose different aspects from different traditions. And so we pay somewhat attention to the liturgical calendar. So the season of Lent, what's that about? Well, 40 days uh, before Christ really begins his ministry, we know that he's baptized, and then he goes into the desert. He's driven by the, the Holy Spirit into the desert for 40 days, and he fasts completely for that entire time. And he does that in preparation for his ministry that he's going to begin uh, his first, th you know, his three years of ministry. They, he hasn't done this yet. This is going to be the beginning of his public ministry. So in preparation, the Spirit drives him into the holies, into the desert, for him to kind of really get ready, because it's going to be a long and tough journey in many ways. So Lent in the Christian calendar is a time of matching up with Jesus going into the desert. So we're looking towards Easter. Six weeks from now, Holy Week is here. So during these next weeks, we're mindful, we want to be mindful particularly of Jesus, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection, what that means for us as Christians. Not that we couldn't do this all the way through the year. Certainly we can but during Lent, we give it specific attention, all right? So that's the idea. So you don't, you, know, you don't have to do anything with Lent if you don't want to. But it can be a discipline, a spiritual discipline, just to be mindful in a particular way of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. Not to be overly distracted by all the concerns that we face. We, we face them all, right? Distracted means to be pulled apart. So we are pulled apart by lots of stuff. Pulled apart by health concerns. Pulled apart by financial concerns. By work concerns. Relationship concerns. It goes on and on. We, we, we have these distractions. We come to church, our public gathering, with all of this stuff that we carry, all the bags that we carry. So we need help, if you like, to stay focused. That's partly why we come together in public worship. It's just one other discipline to help us, hopefully, stay focused. So there's a cycle through the week, and every Sabbath we gather together. That's a long-standing discipline. So Lent is about that, so we just kind of are mindful that as we begin. Jesus, driven into the desert for 40 days, facing temptation, tempted to turn stones into bread. You can imagine, I mean, 40 days is a long time, right? I read a story recently of a pastor who tried to do a fast for 40 days, and he actually died. So that's, that's a massive amount of effort and energy. And so wouldn't we be tempted to turn stones into bread if we could do it? I think so. When we face any temptation, we're tempted to give in. And so those are the things that are going on. So anyway, here we start, and we start with this text 
uh, in Ecclesiastes, and we're going to use the theme of Jesus, the bread of life, as our theme through these six weeks. Thinking of ourselves in the desert with Jesus, Jesus tempted to turn stones into bread, the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So what does that mean for us? Lucy set that up very nicely. How do we think about Jesus as the bread of life? How can that help us through this Lenten season? So to begin, we're going to start with this little chunk from Ecclesiastes, translated in different ways into the translation. In the KJV and the NIV, it says, cast out your bread. I like that actually better. And RSV says, send out your bread. Send or cast out your bread upon the waters, for after it many days you will get it back. So the writer of wisdom says that, and then you and I have to think about what that means. Because that could mean a whole lot of different stuff, right? Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will get it back. All right. What does that possibly mean for us in this life of faith we have? So cast or send. There's an interesting uh, verse in the book of Kings. Listen to this, 1 Kings 10, 22, talking about Solomon sending out his ships. He sent out his ships every three years around the world to see what he could get. So this is in 1 Kings. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea, with the fleet of Haram. This is King Solomon. Note, once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Isn't that interesting? So the ships go out, and they come back with all that kind of stuff. Gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Remember we did a family trip one time? to a resort in Mexico, and they had peacocks walking all around the, the, uh, the grounds. And they were there, and they were very pretty to look at, but you know, peacocks can actually be quite aggressive as well. And they come right up to you, and they don't like to be told, go away. So they may look pretty, but don't be fooled by a peacock if you ever come in touch with one. Anyway, Solomon sends out his ships, and they're bringing back stuff like that. So what do we do with that? Well, cast out, cast your bread upon the water. Well, I think one of it, one piece of it, is that we are invited to live with energy. Cast out your bread, just like Solomon did. He sent out his ships. He sent products out, and he wanted products coming back. The conquistadores uh, in the 15th century, 16th century, sent out their ships from Spain to to Bolivia and to Peru and so on. And the first thing that the commanders came back with were potatoes. They were hunting for gold and silver. They didn't find it yet. They came back with these little potatoes. Hey, the king wasn't that impressed, actually, and said, well, I want something better than a potato. So go back and find more. But that's actually how potatoes ended up in places like the British Isles, Ireland, where I'm from. They came back that way. They're actually Andean. All kinds of potatoes. Hundreds of various types of potatoes down there. If 
Finally, they found silver and gold in Potosi, and it all came back. A tragic story in many ways. Cast out your bread upon the waters. Living with vision, living with purpose, living with some sort of direction. What's that mean for us? Vision, purpose, goals. Cast out your bread. The last few weeks we've been talking about resistors and resistors to our faith, one of them being apathy. We become apathetic. We choose that. We choose anime. These were, these were issues that the monastics faced. Anime is just being totally filled up with so much bread that you don't even want to move. Anime. And then acedia. Just restless boredom. These, the monastics t wrote about these pieces and the challenges it were they were to their Christian faith. So our own apathy, our own indifference, our own boredom can keep us just totally stuck. Come home, we just kind of watch TV all night, right? That's, that's okay. For a while, that's fine. But here, the writer is saying, cast your bread upon the water. So you're invited to think about that. I'm suggesting that there is some energy here. That the writer is saying, cast out your bread upon the waters, and it will return to you. So energy. So I like that, verse 1. There's another verse, verse 5. Just as you do not know how the breath comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The breath. Breath, the Hebrew word there is ruach. And ruach means breath. That's our ruach. It also means wind. The blowing of the wind. Jesus says to Nicodemus, we don't know which way the wind is blowing, where it comes from, ruach. And it also means spirit. So ruach is wind, breath, spirit. The same word, all those. So the writer here says, just as you do not know how the breath, spirit, comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The work of the Spirit in your life, in my life, in the church's life, the breath, the breath that has been blowing through this place for over a hundred years, that breath, all the different faces that have come and gone in this church family for over a hundred years. That's a long time. The breath of God in each one. And so we think of Jesus, here is Jesus going into the desert. So why does he go into the desert? Jesus has some sort of purpose. He has some sort of plan. He's not going in there because he has nothing else to do. He's driven in to the desert with something in mind. That's the energy that we see from Christ. And we're told that he's driven by the Holy Spirit. If we look at, for example, well, Mark or Matthew, either one, the story of Jesus being driven into the Holy Spirit or into the desert, it, it mentions that. Let's just read it as we begin. This is right after his baptism. And the Spirit immediately drove him 
into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and then the angels waited on him. So he goes in with some sort of purpose, and he's driven in by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, working with him in whatever the task is beforehand. So it raises up different ideas. What about for you and for me? What's our purpose? And how is the Holy Spirit driving us in there? Cast out your bread upon the waters. What are you casting out right now? In your own life. Are you putting anything out there? You know, I have friends who talk about put it out to the universe. Put it out to the universe and see what comes back. Well, we're not saying that. We're saying before God cast your bread upon the waters, And how does the Holy Spirit then work in that for you and for me? What might that be for us during this season of of Lent as we begin? Cast out your bread energy, the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus trusting in the Spirit, tempted to turn the stones into bread, and he says, no, I won't do that. I will continue trusting, depending, leaning. So how do we do that? How do we trust? We want to manage everything. We want to control everything. Seems natural in one way. But here we're talking about trust. And then thirdly, we hear, in the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hands be idle, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Ancient wisdom here, right? Long time, sow your seed. Do not let your hands be idle, the theme of diligence. And you don't know which one will prosper. I like that. We are called to act when we do not have the full amount of knowledge. We do not know every possible outcome. You do not know it. I do not know it. We don't know it as a church. We cannot fully decide exactly how it will play out. We do our best. Maybe it succeeds. Maybe it doesn't. That's what the writer is saying. So put it out there and trust and act. You don't know. You may have a job interview this week. Maybe you'll take it. You don't know how that exactly will play out. Maybe it will succeed. Maybe not. Health concerns. We pray, we trust. We do not know the final outcome. But the writer says, don't get stuck in that. Don't get stuck. Don't have idle hands. Act and trust even in that reality of not knowing the full story. Can you relate to that? I bet you you can. I bet you there have been lots of times you've been called to act and you didn't fully know what the heck you were doing. You did the best you could. And then you reached out. The writer is saying that passivity does not lead to a life of joy. If you try to get all your ducks in a row at every point, you will end up doing nothing. Because there will always be something. Humpty Dumpty's always on the wall, ready to fall. You and I are called to 
be aware, and to act. The life of faith. The life of faith is much like that. Did Jesus know how it was all going to work out? In his humanity, did he know? Did he know exactly what was going to happen when he went into the wilderness? Had it all played out? Oh yeah, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I don't think so. I think in his humanity, he had to live by faith just like you and I. If he knew absolutely everything that was going to happen, where was the faith? Jesus had faith. He had to have faith. Even when he's on the cross, Lord, where are you? But not your will, my will. Faith. And so you and I are called in this Lenten season to go ahead trusting in faith, cast your bread out upon the water, do your work, trusting in the Spirit, and then be diligent. Ignatius used to say, act as if everything depends on you, and then have faith and trust as if everything depends on God. That's what Ignatius said. Ignatius sent missionaries out to the New World. They, they were in Bolivia. They were in Peru way back then, not having any community. And Ignatius is saying, act as if everything depends on you. When you're there, start your schools, start your hospitals, whatever little clinics you could do. Act as if it all depends on you, but then trust as if everything depends on God. And that, that, that's all we can ever do, right? We don't control it all, but we have to do our best. And so that's where the text begins. So what does that say for you in this season of Lent? See, that's, that's your invitation. This is wisdom literature. You can, you can interpret that whatever way you want. Go for it. Go home, read it. What is God saying to you? What is the Spirit of God saying to you in that? Cast your bread upon the water, and it will return. Trust in the Ruach, the Spirit. Live diligently. Be active, engaged. That's where it starts. At the same time, the writer goes on, life is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Life is sweet, pleasant to see the sun. Your day under the sun, my day under the sun, that day will end. Right now, we have a day under the sun, Toronto, cloudy, whatever, you'll find it. Then, even those who live for many years should rejoice in them all. I like that. Yet let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. All right, there's a check, 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 check. <laughs> even those who live for many years should rejoice in them all. Beth, you and I can rejoice. Even now, in all the years we have, woo! we're no longer 23. All right. The writer says, rejoice in them all. Nice. So life is sweet, the life of joy. It's interesting because we don't normally think of Ecclesiastes in that kind of way, but that's where it begins. Life is sweet or good. Life is good. Tov. Pleasant to see the sun. Life is good. In the midst of the challenges, as we begin Lent, life is still good. 
Jesus finally comes out of the desert 40 years later, I mean 40 days later, right? And what does he do? He goes to Capernaum, establishes a house there or a community. It's one of the first things he does, by the way, is he gets a community together. He gets his disciples together. And he says, we're going to travel together. You, we're in it, man. Let's go for it. And I would say he knew lots of joy. The children came to Jesus, the families, for him to bless them. He went to weddings and had great times and was accused of being a wine-bibber. He was such a fun guy. Life is sweet, pleasant to the sun, even amidst the challenges. So we need to hold on to that, not to become overly frustrated, sad, cynical. The writer says life is sweet, good. Oftentimes that's a choice, right? That's a choice. How are we going to live? Again, the writers in the monastic period saw sadness, get this, sadness is actually a sin. Sadness is the word acedia. If you give in to that all the time, they would say, hey man, get out of it. Snap out of it. Why? Because life is sweet. Pleasant to see the sun. Live life to the full, both older and younger people. I just said, live it the best way we can amidst the challenges. And there are challenges, for sure. So in your mind, you have to say, still, still, under the human overcast, still, I will look to God and trust in Him and even smile. There may not be perfect days, but the writer says there are good, day, good moments in every day. Not perfect days, but there can still be good moments. Isn't that true? So can we be aware of those? It's a challenge, I get it. But that's what this ancient writer is saying, the sage. Rejoice, young man, young woman, while you are young, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Follow the inclination of your heart and the desire of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. There's always a you know, yin and your yang here, the two sides here. Twice, heart. Let your heart cheer you. Follow the inclination of your heart. God wants you to enjoy your life. God wants you to dream. God wants you to follow your dreams. God wants that. Follow the inclination of your heart. There will be twists and turns. When I started out, music was my scene. Follow the inclinations of your heart. No, it was music. Things change after a bit. So then you change with it. But you follow the inclination of your heart. Rob and I yesterday were at a dive show. Get this, okay? The outdoor show, but a big chunk of that is the dive show. People come from all over the world and they make their little presentations and they talk about diving and so on. We were thinking particularly of the island of Grenada. I don't know much about Grenada, so I thought, let's go there. They're doing a presentation, we sit down. The guy talks about the island and then a diver from one of the shops down there gets up and starts talking. And she is a young woman, works at the dive shop. She's all excited because they brought her up to Toronto to be in this show. Like, this is amazing for her. But she was very bubbly, following the inclinations of her heart, and she's down in the Caribbean, living her dream. 
diving. If I knew about diving when I was 20 years old, I might have gone that way too. <laughs> I didn't know it existed. I had no idea. East End Toronto, what, what's that? An ocean, where's that? I don't know. She's down there. Follow the inclinations of your heart. I think God smiles when we do that. But be mindful. Sure, you've got to be mindful. But it's a very positive statement. Banish anxiety from your mind as we close and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life for vanity. Banish anxiety away from your mind. Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Do not be anxious. Do not keep turning around in your mind, frustration, uptightness, trying to figure it all out. You won't figure it all out. We've got to live with the ambiguity. But do not be driven by the anxiety. See, that, that's, that's New Testament as well. That's not just old. Jesus says that. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Jesus, as we know, I mean, he didn't actually own a home. For three years, he depended actually on other people to support him. He had a crowd. And a lot of really rich, richer women had money and supported the ministry of the community. That's the way it went. Jesus was quite happy for it. When tax comes along, Jesus says to Peter, go out, cast a line, first fish you get, there'll be a coin right there. Go and do it. Not driven by anxiety. So it's easy, easy, we say, to say that, but somehow we have to receive something in that to lead and guide us in the midst of the freneticism. Live your day under the sun. Your one life to be a Christian. Your one life to live as a Christian. How will we do that? And so we see in conclusion, while we have follow the dreams of your heart, I mentioned that. There we go. A life of faith, a life of joy. Maximize your potential even as we go into Lent. A life of faith, a life of joy. Do the most you can with your life. Today, you know, we're having our lunch down, downstairs, then a meeting after it. In the Bolivian church, they would go crazy with this. We're having a lunch after church? All right! Everybody gets down there and they go for it. Why? Because day to day, it can be tough, can be rough. So when they have a chance to celebrate, man, they go down there and do it. In spite of all their hassles, in spite of all their difficulties. I've seen it. I've seen it. They, they enter into it. They have a good time. And so we're invited, you know, to enjoy, to enjoy. A little bit of food we have. Let's go enjoy it, you see. Moses said to God, God, I want to see you. I want to know you more. I want to see you face to face. God says, well, hide behind that rock and I'll go in front and you can see my back. 
We all want to see God at some level. We all want to know him more at some point. Whatever the language we use, we want to know the infinite. We want to know the eternal. We want to know God. We want to know Jesus. Some point, some part of it, that's what we want. Moses was not the only one, and God went in front, and he saw the goodness of God, and we're invited in this Lenten season to want to know God more, particularly to know Jesus more, to know Jesus, the Word of God, the living Word. How can Jesus, as the living Word, speak into your life this Lenten season? Over the next six weeks, can we focus be less distracted. Consider his goodness in our lives and listen. Listen for his voice. In Jesus' name, amen.